This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to our show. You will be fully whelmed tonight. Fully whelmed, not underwhelmed? I don't think you've underwhelmed. I don't know that you've overwhelmed. It's much like a Democratic 2020 ticket. I'm fully whelmed by their ticket. So oh, I'm, I'm not fully whelmed. <laughs> I'm underwhelmed by their their intelligence and their abilities, but I'm fully whelmed. This is the best they've got. Yes. Bernie came out over the weekend, and he's declared for 2020. Sure he is. Um, I believe he will be the oldest candidate to ever run for president, never having been president, not running for re-election. Is he, is he 80 yet? Is he 78? I, I, I lost track. I don't know. His hair... Looks like he's older than he is, probably. But Dr. Emmett Brown? Yes. He's quite old. So we've got a, a slew of 2020 candidates on the Democratic side, not one of which I think is worthy of anything. So we'll get into that. But we'd start with um, a, a guy that I i don't want to say loathe. I think loathe is a distasteful word, but it probably applies to I Andrew McCabe. I guess it depends. <laughs> Does yeah. it apply to Andrew McCabe? It's, he's not a likable fellow. Um, Rod Rodenstein's not a likable fellow. James Comey wasn't a likable fellow. So See, let's say they're not likable the fellows. I actually, I actually find Comey to be the most repulsive of all of them. Strzok? Honestly. Strzok? Not, you like him? Uh, the thing about Strzok is, I'm talking about kind of the major, major, the players. major players in terms of the guys that are... Not the really, underlings who are carrying out the right, major players? Right, I mean, players. yeah, Strzok, okay. you know... you. you what can you say about that guy? I mean, he's a, he's a you disgrace. You lots of things, but nothing good. No, but I mean, these are the guys that are basically running the show. McCabe is second in command. He's under Comey. I just find Comey to be completely insufferable, really, just There's just intolerable. But they're all they're all different uh, gradations of uh, loathsome, yes. Okay, so Andrew McCabe is on his uh, I didn't do it tour. It was somebody else. He's trying to raise money. He's got legal fees and... If we're lucky, he will end up in jail for his role in this whole process. I don't know if that'll happen, but I think that's where he should deserve. I think the chances of that happening are almost nil, which is which is unfortunate because yes. many of the people that have been involved in this should face a reckoning, uh, and they, and they will not. Which is one of the reasons why our country is in deep trouble because we have a sort of a, a caste system of people who, unfortunately, are running some of the most important. Uh, agencies in our government, the most powerful agencies, who have decided that they are above the law and unaccountable uh, to anybody. Well, if, uh, to me, and they're correct. They have been proven correct. So, in that to this point, they regard. have been proven correct. So, I'll get into the details in a second. But what the overall arching theme for me is: Donald Trump was elected in November 2016, and a group of people, who includes Democrats but also professed Republicans, although I, I doubt they're they're bona fides in that at this point, claim they know better than the people. Now, we can say it's not a direct election because the Electoral College has to certify in us, and that's when you actually become president, which the Democrats didn't seem to know. They thought that was new, just made up in the last couple of years. But that had to happen. But these people went about out of their way to delegitimize and remove a president under false pretenses called the 25th, the 25th Amendment is not false pretenses, but what they're trying to do was they're trying to basically usurp the, the government because yeah. they didn't like it, because they didn't like the outcome. Because, well, you said it. They're, they're the elite. They're smarter. They know best. And they've decided that 
the will of the people be damned. Um, we're going to decide who runs the country, and it can't be this guy because he's a buffoon. Oh, and he he fired our boss. As if, um, yeah, which he's entitled to do Monday through Sunday for any reason, including the fact that he didn't like the way he was wearing his tie. Any, um, any reason whatsoever. It doesn't any, require any, any reason yes. whatsoever. Yes. Well, and there's really two phases because you got to break these up. The first phase was we're going to destroy candidate Trump. Yes. Uh, and and while talked about, yes. while being convinced of the fact that because all the smart people knew that Hillary Clinton was going to win, including these people. So they never dreamed of living in a world where Donald Trump was president. Nevertheless, they were working to make sure that didn't happen. They were convinced it wouldn't happen. And they were also convinced that all of their shenanigans, all of these extra constitutional and illegal shenanigans would never see the light of day because Hillary Oops. Clinton was going to be elected Oops. and they were going to be they were going to be rewarded for this. Oops. I mean, they've openly <laughs> Comey has openly said. Said this. Yes. Well, that part of what a, was this was Strzok's plan B. Yes, and but part of what was driving Comey's sort of haste to close up the Hillary investigation was because she was going to be president, and we don't ha- we don't want that hanging over the head no, of the president. No, 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 can't can't do that. Can't do that. So it this really revolves around the Twenty Fifth Amendment, Section Four. Okay. The, First one well, okay. Now you're more of I'm. I like history. You know more of it, and I, I may be getting this wrong. So, am I not correct that the Twenty Fifth Amendment basically came into play after Woodrow Wilson had a stroke? Well, it no. It really became after FDR died and Truman assumed the presidency. Woodrow I, Wilson was a rec, was a recognition of why we need to right. Do that's this, what I mean. The impetus but, wasn't the impetus for that. I'm yeah. not saying when it came into play. Yes. that was the main. That was the main. That was one reason. of them. Yeah, because if, if you look at your history, Woodrow Wilson had a stroke in 1919. He was president through 20, 1921, January or March of 21. Uh, his effectively, it's presumed his second wife was the president of the country because everything was filtered through her. So we don't know what Wilson was deciding and what she was deciding because he took to his bed for a year and a half before he left The whole office. point of the 25th Amendment is that the president is literally physically incapacitated. Well, that's the first three. It's a succession plan. Yes. Who becomes president and why? And it was an amendment to the Constitution because the Constitution didn't really provide for this. So John Tyler became president in the 1840s. And it was only because they didn't really know what to do when the president died. Was the was the vice president the president or was the acting president, but not really the president? And Tyler just said, I'm the president. Get over it. Get, and that became the president. But this kind of codified it, made it real. So the first three sections deal with transmission of power. So like when Reagan had to go under surgery, Bush one became the acting president until Reagan came out of anesthesia and could assume the presidency. That That's happened since then, and, and it's not uncommon. But section four is basically if you saw the movie uh red october not red october um who was it denzel washington what the manchurian candidate no i'm sorry I, I'm, I'm blanking here training the, day the alabama <laughs> uss alabama red oh, t- uh, oh crimson tide. crimson tide sorry i, I apologize for that we're basically the, the crew says we don't trust the captain we're taking over the ship that's basically what this is the vice president and a majority of either principal officers of the executive department or or basically the cabinet yes. says, we think the president isn't fit to hold office. We're taking over, making the vice president, the president, removing the president from office. Now, Congress has to approve it. It can't just two be thirds, two thirds majorities. Right. So two thirds of both houses of Congress. So it's not a simple process. And remember, when you say is not fit, has a very you can't emphasize this enough, has a very specific meaning. 
it has nothing to do with we don't like his policies. We find him to be acting right. Ra- no, it's literally physically like you're in a coma. You are mentally, physically, emotionally incapacitated to the point where you can't discharge the obligations of your office. Discharge the powers and duties of his office. That's a, it's a it's specific, but broad enough that it could be applied to. Something like high crimes and misdemeanors, that kind of thing. Uh, see, I don't agree with that. Well, I, I think high crimes and misdemeanors is very open to interpretation. This is not discharge the duties in my of view, your office is different. See, in my view, the 25th Amendment has absolutely nothing to do with the political remedy of impeachment. Meaning, No, I agree. I agree. They're two different things. Right. I'm just saying both are relatively broad in my understanding that not being able to discharge your duties. If they say he watches TV all day and he never reads anything, is he really discharging his no, duties? No, see, uh, okay, so I need to make this clear because from we may differ on this. From what I have read about the 25th Amendment, both historically and legally, you cannot broaden it to encompass something like that. This idea that he's not really doing his job because he's lazing around all day. No, no. The remedy for that is you simply have to remove him in the next election. Or if he's actually engaging in criminal conduct, then you have a political remedy in the form of impeaching the president. And see, what, what these guys are trying to do is they're trying to say that the 25th Amendment extends to, well, we had concerns. See, here's the thing. Let's assume that every single thing about this Russia hoax, which is which we have said has been a hoax in the beginning, mm-hmm. and of course it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's complete fantasy. Let's assume that every single thing that they claimed that Donald Trump was doing, consorting with the Russians, working with the Russians in a treasonous way to undermine the republic. He was the, the, the pawn of Putin, actively working with an enemy foreign power from within. In my view, the 25th Amendment does not address that situation at all. Agreed. Can't be used. There are other ways to do that, which is unless, you seek his impeachment yes, through Congress. Unless he was actively continuing that, that behavior once he assumed the presidency. To me, this only applies if you're doing those things while president. No, let me be clear. In my view, constitutionally, it does not apply even if he's doing these things while president. You cannot twist the 25th Amendment to become a a catch-all provision for a guy who is behaving badly, who's behaving criminally. Can't, can't. In my view, cannot. So we may differ on that. Well, I would differ insofar as to say if somebody's behaving in treason, has a treasonous behavior and basically in a treason or treasonous and they're they can't be acting out their duties as a president of the united states they're counter to each other you can't be acting in good faith doing your job as a president and being treasonous see you can't I, be both see we disagree because there is a very specific reason for the 25th amendment which has to do with physical mental incapacity i agree you have that's how it was designed you have a constitutional remedy through yes. the impeachment process so all i'm saying is there's another way to remove the president in that scenario, you can't torture the 25th Amendment to basically be the same thing. Uh, okay, that's fair. I'll, I'll give you that. Whether it would be applied that way and ultimately looked at that way by the Supreme Court would be an open right. interpretation later on. If you remember, there was a psychiatrist or psychologist, I think it was a psychiatrist from California, who <laughs> went on air about a year and a half ago and said, I think the president is mentally unstable. That was playing right into this. This is this is why you heard that oh, on of TV. Course. All of this was to set up he's not mentally fit to be president. That's what you heard. Now, she hadn't evaluated him. She hadn't sat with him, done nothing, but they were setting up mentally unstable. Now, the part that becomes interesting to me is McCabe's going on this tour. He wrote a book that hopefully nobody will ever read because I'm sure it's a load of crap. 
he says Rod Rodenstein, who wrote the memo firing Comey, was unwilling to go and wear a wire to entrap the president into something that would get the cabinet to say, yeah, we think we need to get rid of this guy. I'm not sure why Rod Rosenstein would do that, but let's assume he did. Why would he include McCabe in this? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth that just doesn't make any sense. I think there was something going on, and I think they were both well, there, involved. Well, there was absolutely something going on. But I don't know which one was the lead and which was the follower. I don't think it really matters. There was a crew, whether it was McCabe, Comey, Rosenstein, Clapper, Brennan, the whole crew, the people in charge of our domestic Law enforcement and intelligence agencies decided, again, there's nothing else to call it but a coup. Yep. They decided, we don't like this guy. Mm-hmm. We don't like his policies. And you know what? That's fine. You can hate his policies all you want. You can think he's erratic. You can think he's belligerent. You can think, why does he keep tweeting? This is very irresponsible. I don't really care. You have absolutely no basis. None. 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 To try to think about removing the president because of any of those reasons. McCabe's playing, oh, I was worried about Russia. You know what? <laughs> I don't care if you're worried about Russia. I don't care. I mean, why couldn't we have made the same argument? You know what? We tried to invoke the 25th Amendment on Obama because we were really worried about what was going on with Iran. Should have been, if that's the case. It's exactly the same argument. Why wouldn't it have been legitimate then for the head of the DOJ and the FBI to get together and say, listen, man, he's selling the country down the river with the Iranians. We, this can't stand. He's not fulfilling his obligations. No. Nope. You have policy disagreements with this guy. Even if you think that he's in cahoots, he's he's damaging national security guess what that's the way the system works he's the chief executive so all this is completely outlandish mm-hmm. unjustified disgraceful and these guys if that's what they were actually trying to do they should be prosecuted for it well let me ask you so that coming gets fired on what was it, the 9th of may 2017 and for eight days this process goes on until the appointment of robert Mueller as a special counsel then suddenly the 25th Amendment didn't matter anymore because you had a special counsel? I sure. Mean, if, if truly this wasn't an, an issue, would you not have pursued it past that yeah, time? Yeah, it, it was, it was by, by any means necessary. Oh, the emoluments clause, the yes. 25th Amendment, anything, you know, any cudgel to hand just to figure out a way to subvert the will of the people and remove a guy that you basically can't stand. Because, again, you have, you have apparently decided that your voice, your will your desire for the country is a bunch of unelected bureaucrats who by the way serve at the will of the president matter more than all of the american people that, and that's what it came down to so i want to play a clip from fran townsend she is a cbs news i think they called her the national security person they code to listen to what she said now remember this is cbs news this isn't fox news it's cbs analyst Fran Townsend about whether the action was justified. I have to say, so I was having been at the Justice Department and looked at these sorts of things. What I was listening for was he had to lay what's called a predicate. He actually used that word and then proceeded to lay out the facts that he was relying on for the predicate. And so he went about it exactly as a trained FBI agent would be expected. We can quibble whether or not it was quite enough. And clearly, Rosenstein had issues with it and should he open it. But 
I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. He opens up the counterintelligence and obstruction investigations. I don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything that you do have a problem with? Anything that he said that just didn't add up to you? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. One, this, here's this meticulous memo-taking, memo-writing FBI agent who's accused of lying three times to the Justice Department, and he claims he was confused. It doesn't make sense. Mm. Second, let's remember when he when he was first fired, CBS offered him the opportunity to come on air and he he didn't want to do it. Then mm -hmm. he's selling a book. And then the third thing I would say is this whole thing about the 25th Amendment. Um, you know, he remembers the conversation. He tells Scott Pelley, I had nothing to add. I have no recollection of why or how it came up which is bizarre because you've got to assume this is the only time in his career it's ever come up. Right. <laughs> and, but he then selectively remembers that Rosenstein is counting votes in the cabinet. But when Scott asks him, well, how, who, who did he expect to vote what yeah. way, he doesn't remember that. And so there are pieces to this story that we ought to be skeptical so I think, well, that's what, what do you think of that? That's CBS News, who's not a friend of Trump. Of course they're not. Well, first of all, I'm not sure what she means by that last part about there's pieces of this that we should be skeptical of because I don't know. We what laid she's, them out. Well, I don't know what she's driving at. Is she driving at that? In other words, because I don't trust anyone at CBS News. Fair enough. I don't know what she means by that. Is she implying that we really shouldn't believe that there was anything underfoot to invoke the 25th Amendment because he can't really remember any of the details, and so he's he's sort of uh, exaggerating this for purpose of his book? Because I have a feeling that may be one of the things that she's trying to insinuate. Well, do you, do you in believe some that's ways happening? To, do you believe I, that's what he's doing? He's trying to exaggerate to sell his book? Or the there's a grain of truth to what he said, whether no, I absolutely, here's the thing. I absolutely believe that they were trying to do this. I think Andrew McCabe, just like James Comey, just like Rod Rosenstein think that this was entirely justified. We're all wearing the white hats. We are the good guys and we're invoking this to get rid of the bad guy. Never really considering that you don't actually have the power to do that. What you're attempting to do is subverting the Constitution. It's completely improper and illegal. And you are attempting to overturn a Democratic election basically because you're in a fit of peak that your boss got canned. So I think something happened. And I don't know who was the instigator and who was the follower for all this, as I said. I think he's trying to get out because I think he was more involved than he likes to let on. He's trying to sell the book, of course, but I think he was more involved than he's saying he was involved. And I think he's trying to get ahead of it so he can say, well, you know, anybody else can come forward, but they're going to be either piling on and agreeing with me or they're going to be contradicting me. But I already said it first, so they have a little more burden to prove that they're right versus me being right. I don't know what her rationale was necessarily, but it does does make you suspicious. He lied three times to Congress, at least that we know of, that we that have been shown. He could have lied more. So he's a known liar, obviously. Under oath, he's a known liar. Yeah, under oath. Under oath, he's a known liar. And yet, as she said, he took contemporaneous notes, just like his boss Comey did, and they seem to be not in facts. You know, they don't seem to match up with reality. Well, but, but there's, remember, there's no remember too, that even though Comey supposedly is not a known liar— I think the total is 245 separate times when he was before Congress. Couldn't recall. Yeah. Couldn't remember. Don't know. Don't remember. 
Um, and the things that he conveniently and selectively couldn't Comey. remember. Yes. Yeah. Couldn't remember. Huh. They seem like things that I don't know. You you have very good recall on a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> 245 different times. You just just can't. And you took notes. Right. You're, you, you, you're, you're, you're Mr. Note Meticulous. Note taker. Documenting things. Leaking them to your friend. Your law school buddy. Your, uh, no. Sorry. So as far as I'm concerned, Comey is a flagrant liar as well. Mm-hmm. We just don't call him that because he was smart enough just to say, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that either. See, I think McCabe, I, I like her point. How many other times was the 25th Amendment invoked in your career? Or was talked about it at any never. time? So you would not, you would remember that moment because it has never happened before and probably never happen again. You think you'd remember that and you put a, probably would have put it in your notes, wouldn't you think? You'd have put something yeah, down? maybe. So yeah. when you say, I don't recall what happened, really? You don't know how you got there. You didn't really have anything to add. Really? I don't believe you. Now, is she trying to downplay this like it didn't really happen? I don't know. Maybe she is, and maybe CBS News is trying to do that. I don't believe it. I think something happened. I oh, think absolutely. something completely happened, and if, I think those if three nothing were involved. Else, if nothing else, this, in my view, which is unsurprising because we've kind of – if you've been paying attention to this, you knew this kind of stuff was underfoot. That, you know, it vindicates Trump yet again. You know, they, people like to mock him for the whole the deep state. Look, I don't really <laughs> care what you want to call it. Right. But Donald Trump was accurate when he was basically telling the American people there's a cabal of guys who are at the highest levels of government who are trying to eliminate my presidency. They are trying to overturn the election and remove me from office by any means necessary. That's absolutely what these guys were about. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and and it, this just this to me just validates more of that. I mean, there's been a lot of articles. I was reading a bunch of things, the Keystone coup, uh, seven days or eight days in May. It just it it smacks of somebody trying to subvert the will of the people, and that part in and of itself just bothers me immensely. I didn't like Obama, but I didn't think we should have tried to remove him from office simply because we didn't like what he was doing. Right. I mean, he's the president, duly elected. By majority of the Electoral College, therefore, he's president. So if you don't like it, four years later, you get another chance. And I feel like, for whatever reason, all of these people have come alive. People, I think, who had ideologically different backgrounds and beliefs all hating Trump. Because I don't think they were all Democrats, necessarily, or left-leaning progressives. Not all. Some. Many, maybe. But not all. No, you're you're correct. I mean, because you, you look at the never Trumpers that have gone off the deep end on the right, people like Bill Kristol mm-hmm. and of course our favorite Jen Rubin and, and <laughs> Max Boot, right? The the derangement, you know, kind of goes in both directions. Uh, clearly it's more people on the left. Um, well they hated him before anything. They didn't right. hate him they never liked him, never even liked the Republicans. But I think that also goes to this idea that these are people that simply will not accept that how dare this, how dare this uh, grotesque billionaire <laughs> reality TV show orange person show up here and rock the boat in the yeah. way that he has. We just will not stand for it. This is how it gets particular to me. Trump had his physical last week. The doctor gave him his physical, told us what his weight was this year, told us what his weight was last year. Can you name another time? And I don't even under Clinton. I don't know what Clinton weighed because they didn't announce it. When have we ever known the weight of a president in office and why? Yeah. Why is well, it matter? You, I mean, don't you remember? They were even, I'm not making this up. They were even floating 
this idea that, well, maybe he's having mental problems because he's suffering from syphilis. Yes. Remember that? Yes. They were floating that with various WebMD (laughs) eminences, right? No actual examination. Yes, his tweeting behavior can be explained by, yes, he he likely has this uh, sexually transmitted disease, which is rotting his brain. They again, it didn't matter how absurd the theory was, and then they would just drop it like a hot potato. Oh, forget that. We're, we're on to our next thing. We're on to our next thing. Down the memory hole with that. Exactly. We're on to the next thing. Forget that. It didn't work. But I, I just that that little piece to me struck me as odd. I don't care what he weighs, and why does anybody else other well, than but him? Also, do you remember it was completely verboten? It is improper to mention anything about Hillary Clinton's. Oh, yes. Right. How dare you? Yes. How dare. By the way, she's the one that's having these (laughs) bizarre fainting spells on the campaign trail where she's having to be held up by her minions. And even after in India where she fell on the steps. Right. Hustled into the Scooby van. But we're not allowed to mention that. How dare you? How dare you raise that topic? Meanwhile, you know, they're they're leaking Donald Trump's EKG and whatever else is going on. Well, I mean, is this again towards the. 25th Amendment, if we if we say he's unhealthy, right. he should resign yeah. before anything else happens and he screws up the country. It just it's a lot of it's a lot of chatter, but I don't see a lot of substance, just a lot of let's throw anything at the wall. And if it sticks, great, we'll run with it. If it doesn't, we'll move on to the next thing that maybe we can bring him down with anything yeah, we can do. Absolutely. Anything. And the, the media is in collusion with this. There's a word you don't hear too often, right? Collusion. Well, you haven't heard it recently. <laughs> Not around the media, though. The I believe most of the media is in collusion Absolutely to bring are. down this president. I don't I don't know if they all got together and had a meeting about it, but I, uh, I believe cl- close enough. Well I'm sure I mean, newsrooms look, talk. Look, they they're leaking all of this stuff to their sources, right? I mean even something that we mentioned a few weeks ago, which to me was just reprehensible and should result in firings, if not criminal sanctions. The whole idea that Mueller's team is working with CNN when they raid Roger Stone. Yeah. Somebody leaks the time of the raid, and then they're playing this up for the cameras in a way that they never would have done, given this type of defendant. They're going in there with essentially a paramilitary team, literally, for a guy that is being charged with a process crime for lying to Congress, who has a lawyer who's cooperating. They're doing this for pure theater, in cahoots with their buddies in the media. Looks good on TV. And this this has been going on for the last two years. Looks I went back and was reading some of this stuff. Do you remember when the Steele dossier got into the public? conscience well it was actually while trump was still a candidate right back in it actually wasn't no, not publicly maybe there was private stuff it was comey who called a meeting with trump to tell him about the steel dossier and that's some that's how it got leaked to the media right. that and that existed. was that but and that was at clapper's recommendation correct right so clapper tells comey the, we have this uh, serious information. We really think you need to, you know, brief the president exactly, and that was their way to of get it getting out it out into the without into the leaking bloodstream. It. But it, now we've talked about why well, I, I was briefing him on the Steele dossier. What's the Steele dossier? Get all this yeah, absolutely, and then and then you have this um, this cycle where the media is citing like the first article I think was by Michael Isakoff of Yahoo News, and then the FBI is literally citing as other news sources. An article that was also planted based on the dossier. Like, it all came back to the dossier. There was no other independent verification of any of this. But isn't it interesting? All of it was planted to come out. Nothing was ever secret. If they wanted to be now, the FISA court was supposed to be secret too. Sure, but somehow that came out four times. They flagrantly misled the FISA court. Mm -hmm. 
never telling it the provenance of these documents. They tried as long as possible to hide the fact that this would have never come out unless people were digging. Right. Um, that, oh, yeah, wait, oh, we forgot to mention this was funded by Hillary Clinton's campaign. Oh, that's nothing. With that's using nothing. campaign funds, but which we laundered through uh, a law firm. So it looked like they were legal <laughs> bills, and then we were able to pay Fusion GPS. Uh, mm. All of this. And Bruce Orr. Right over at DOJ, number four at mm-hmm. DOJ until he, of course, all these people have been now removed. His wife is on the payroll of Fusion GPS. She's actually collecting all of this uh, information. Isn't Fusion GPS like a three-person firm? Well, it's Glenn Simpson and whatever, whoever else is there. <laughs> but so then he's actively working and meeting with Steele at the time. This is never disclosed. I mean, the, the whole thing, the whole thing stinks to high heaven because they were all engaged in this operation. Yeah. And that's what the the most ludicrous part of this is Mueller is on the on the search for collusion. Someone should say, hey, hey, <laughs> hey Bob, it. hey You're Bob, part of it. guess what, buddy? <laughs> can I can I direct your attention over here? Yeah. Um, you might, you know, since, cause remember your investigation is going to, you're going to go wherever the evidence leads you. Here's a few breadcrumbs, Bob. Do you want to maybe go sniff in that direction? Cause you spent two years chasing down the, the dossier that not steel won't even verify, right? He's completely backed away from it because it's all ridiculous. Well, this is the whole thing, the circular logic that if I've cited enough places, the same information, it suddenly becomes valid when it wasn't valid before it, it it's, it's just insane. So I want to I want to move on to we talk about the never trumpers former republicans maybe still republicans former tr- never trumpers but we don't talk about the democratic party and we've talked about it a little bit but there is a huge chasm opening up between certain sections of the democratic party with AOC being on the one side and people with half a brain being on the other side I won't give them all brains because I think that would be disingenuous but AOC, for reasons unbeknownst to anybody outside of her, thinks that not having Amazon's second headquarters in Long Island City, Queens, it's not on Long Island, which is odd name for a place that's not on Long Island, is a good thing. Now, let me recap here. Amazon went through this national search, basically begging communities to put together a tax package, let us put our second Headquarters. They're headquartered in Seattle, Washington now. They wanted to come somewhere, most likely east. It wasn't probably going to be in the Midwest. But they were really looking for what tax breaks will you give us? What what benefits will you give us to come here and bring all these jobs? Now, they were promising at least 25,000 jobs, which paid a minimum of $150,000. You can do the math, but it's not $15 an hour factory workers or warehouse people. These wait, are, wait, wait, wait. They're not promising 25,000 jobs that all pay one hundred and fifty grand or more. They were because it was a corporate headquarters. It wasn't. It wasn't a factory distributing. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know that detail. That surprises me. If that's accurate, it's, it's but... a lot of money. It's a lot of money. A lot of taxpayer money uh, that goes in that. So AOC was against this because we we've seen what happened in Sil- what has happened in Silicon Valley, what's happened in Redmond, Washington, Seattle, Washington, where these big corporations have the housing becomes astronomically expensive. And New York City is not known for yeah, cheap it's very housing. cheap right now. Yeah, it's very low cost. I'm sure. At the I'm sure they're going to just drive it through the <laughs> roof. It'll be so prohibitive. People are going to have to leave. Now the difference between New York City and San Francisco is San Francisco doesn't allow certain height restrictions on buildings, so you can't build high rises. Where New York City says, "Hey, the bigger the better," because we're New York City and we're we're special. So I think you could have put up enough high rises, probably support it. Will the cost go down? Probably not. It's still going to be super expensive. But you know, Queens they don't want to gentrify. When when did the people? When did the blue staters living in those cities ever worry about that? They have not. Right, (laughs) but the people living in Manhattan, I'm pretty sure. 
So she was championing getting Amazon to pull out and some other, there's another representative, uh, state representative trying to do the same thing. And Amazon said, you know, after a lot of pressure over the weekend, we're going to pull out. We're not going to be there. Well, that's not good for de Blasio, the mayor, and for Cuomo, the, the governor, who are counting on that revenue. So she gets on and she uses her AOC math and says there was $3 billion that the city of New York was going to give to Amazon. Do, do you think she actually – here's a question. Do you think she actually understands that New York wasn't actually no. giving them money? I do money? not think she understands I don't think that. she understands that either. I totally think she I think she actually believes <laughs> that there was somebody with, like, a forklift going down somewhere into the bowels of one of, uh, you know, the, the, the New York City treasury <laughs> and actually taking this to, to Bezos's <laughs> mansion, right? Die there, Hard 3, that's yes, what it was. That's right. This one goes to Iran, this one goes to this Amazon. This one goes to Amazon, and we need that money. We need that, <laughs> that money, money to fund to do free, all these other things. free stuff. So her math, as usual, does not work out because they were not giving them $3 billion. They were giving them incentives. They were going to give them $500 million if they met certain hiring quotas, meaning number of people hired to offset the, the discounts. But that $3 billion was over 25 years, and it was in tax credits that they wouldn't have to pay, not giving them $3 billion. I don't think she understood that. Even the Democrats. Do you think she also understands has any grasp of the fact that those twenty five thousand people making one hundred fifty grand, they're going to be paying taxes, and that cumulative amount (laughs) is far greater, and that's actual money. Yes, it's actual cash. Actual cash that's flowing into New York City in the form of tax revenue, and that far outstrips any of the deferred tax forbearance that, by the way, is standard operating procedure everywhere because yes. other people who apparently they have a- an abacus or some <laughs> some rudimentary tool to calculate these things can figure out that, huh, we're not going to tax them at X, but when we get the revenue from Y, Y is going to be more. Yes, that is correct. I, I do not believe that math was her strong suit. Economics does not seem to be what she thinks about but the Democratic leadership, including Cuomo and de Blasio and other people in Congress, said, when is it OK to champion not bringing jobs to your district? When is that a good thing? I understand you want any job you can get because you can go back and say, I brought jobs to your district. She squashed, not alone, but with other people, squashed 25,000 well-paying jobs. And she's happy about it right. and goes on to tell you, you don't understand math like I understand math because sure. this. And you're going, shut up. Just shut up. No, no, up. no, 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 not shut <laughs> no, up. The Democrats are telling please, her to shut right. up. Right. I want, please, please keep talking. <laughs> can we find her another camera? Can we find her a podium? Can we can we have an, an AOC channel 24-7? Yes. I want to hear more. I, I want to hear more from the new face, the dreamy face of the Democratic Party. Please, more new math, more economic illiteracy. Just, just bring it, please. I, I, I want her to be the most popular person in America. I do, but I don't, because I know what you're saying, because she just calls attention to the stupidity of people like this. But some of those idiots can get elected. Sometimes they get elected to higher office, and that scares me because then they have more power that they don't deserve. Right. But I think the problem for her is, and we talked about this with the Green New Deal, um, is that uh, she, she can't help herself in terms of actually being honest. She hasn't learned yet the art of, no, no, you're a leftist. So you have to lie about everything. Because if you actually, even the really dopey people who don't understand this, when they start seeing your proposal, you know, in 10 years, we're going to uh, <laughs> cease air travel. Like, even, wait, what? what? Huh? That doesn't, no, that doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to eliminate cows. 
And that, that methane is a problem, right? When they actually are confronted with the lunacy, mm-hmm. even people that are not attuned to this sort of thing start scratching their head and thinking, that doesn't, no, that doesn't sit quite right. Wait, I, they're going to refurbish my entire house? Uh, how is that going to ha- All the homes in America? And wait, even people that aren't willing to work are going to be given, the government's going to pay them? No, right? it doesn't work. Well, no, the Republicans hacked into our system. We didn't actually propose that. So it was a PragerU skit. It was like four minutes long. I encourage you to get on YouTube and watch it. It's a college student goes to American University, and he lays out the new Green Deal. It's the Green New Deal. Sorry, I keep saying it wrong every time. But I know. You Please know. get it right. <laughs> like, why? It's why very it important. Green New Deal. And he lays it out to all these college students, and he says, what do you think of that? I think that's great. I think that's great. I think it's great. It's great. Everything they say. Yes, it's, it's all great. fabulous. Then he says, she wants to do it by 2030. And they go, whoa, 2030? What? What? Because <laughs> even they, who are ultra-left in most of these universities, think 10 years seems like a short period of time to get to no cars, no planes, retrofitting every building. Well, no, what they're thinking is, well, well, wait, wait a minute, I, I want to fly to spring break. I mean, yeah. that, that's going to be, is that 10 years from now? Well, the, well, the funniest one was about the ones saying, it, those unwilling to work, and they go, whoa, <laughs> I'm paying no dude not to work. That's one, one quote. I'm not paying no dude not to work. That's the part that they don't, they can't right. be actually honest about. Well, they'll come around. They all think, yeah, it's a good idea. It, where's your compassion? It's all a good idea in the future, just not my future. Right. It's good for somebody else down the road. And we should set the groundwork for this, you know, in you know, 100, just, 200 years or so. It's aspirational. You yeah. know, we, we, should, we should strive for this. And if we don't start now, how are we ever going to ban airplanes and cars? I don't, know. I don't and, know, man. You know, make you have a windmill in your backyard to power so, your. I have a true story for you. I'm sitting with a lady last week. And somehow we were talking about the weather and the climate change. And she's she's talking about, uh, you know, if you really want to save the world, you should sign up for the when you choose your electrical supplier, you should sign up for the green option. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, they only take it from renewable energy sources. I said, no. She goes, yeah, they couldn't say it if there wasn't. It's all come from renewable energy sources. I said, what happens at night? Well, then they just switched to wind. I said, what happens when it's at night and there's no wind? Well, then it's hydroelectric. I said, you know how far you got to transmit hydroelectric <laughs> where we're at to get any power? No. And you lose it all. Wait, don't, you, don't tell me you burst her bubble. I said, did. Guess what? I did. I said, guess what? You just get to pay more and you're still using coal and nuclear like the rest of us. You're just paying a dollar or, you know, yeah. one and a half to two cents more per kilowatt hour. But you should feel good about that. But you should feel good about that. You're, you've bought into the lie that you can actually do that. She goes, well, they couldn't advertise it wasn't true. I said, read the fine print. They'll give you the, the wind and the solar and the water when they can. But let's be honest, that's not going to be most of the time. Because if actually you should be happy because if they did really give you the straight renewables, you wouldn't have electricity in your house like 70% of the Pretty day. Pretty much when you're home, it wouldn't be on. Right. <laughs> that's so, when you could count on it. You know, if you want to live in like a mud hut sure. um, with your authentic yeah. renewables, yeah. that's fantastic. Now, this is the same lady who told me she's uh, she drives fast. And she drives. Well, that's good. She does donuts in parking lots just because. All right. Because well, then I, you know what? I like her. I, you like her from that standpoint. She drives a stick shift, and that's unusual All for good. most people. She's There's, okay about wasting gas. Very but, good. <laughs> but she wants to be green in her home well, electricity. Well, that's why that's part of her carbon offset. <laughs> she gets to, you know, she. it's like, one, again, they're like indulgences. It was if hilarious. You're, if you're fully on the green bandwagon, you get to do stuff like that. She st- when she walked away, she did not believe me. She thought I was lying to her. I said, well, go check it out. I, I'll I think, bet if we come back in a week from now, you'll I think it's going to be story. a rude awakening. Yeah, well, if 
again, if you're out there and you think that's what's happening when you're paying that extra money, you are not. You're just paying more money. Good for you. Good for you. Bill Gates came out this week and said, I think rich people should pay more. They should have pay at more it, in Bill. taxes. Have at it, Bill. He's not actually done that. Sure. But he thinks we should pay more taxes. Yeah. Again, that's why I just love it when these guys say <laughs> stuff like this. Him and Warren Buffett. Again, Bill, Warren, buddies, listen. It's within your power. Yep, you have. If it. you're if you're feel if you're that <laughs> racked with guilt over your not paying enough taxes, you can solve that problem very quickly. Yep. In fact, it doesn't have to be a check. I'm pretty sure there's things called wire transfers. <laughs> you got a lot of accountants. Anyway, you want to give it, they'll take you. it. Yep. You, I'm sure you can figure out a way. Western Union that that thing over there to the Treasury, they'll be very pleased. Yes, right. They'll, they'll but here's it. the thing: I'm not a billionaire. So how about you not? You don't speak for me. In terms of this patriotic notion, all power to you, Bill. If you want to pay even more of your vast wealth in taxes, fantastic. How about you don't decide for the rest of us? Yes, I feel like for anybody. You decide yeah. for you and let me decide for me. How about that? That works but then, well But for then me. we can't have nice things like a Green New Deal. We, so if you won't, if we, you won't, we can't have the Green New Deal. Even if you want that is to have true, the Green New Deal. But there's not enough money in the world to no pay for There's no reason to it. mention that now and be a downer. I don't even think there's enough money in the entire world to pay for what she wants just for the United States. We could just print more money, Chad. What don't you understand about that? Yes, I understand that paper just, has yeah. no intrinsic value other than what we give it. You know, we do the Paul, Paul Krugman uh, billion-dollar coins. Sure. You know, we don't have to stop with uh, silver dollars. True. You just have one <laughs> coin that's worth a billion dollars. Wasn't it? Just don't, don't mistakenly put that in the vending machine. Yeah, the Weimar Republic had you take wheelbarrows of paper money to pay for a yeah. loaf of bread wheelbarrows of money not just dollar bills like i mean it's you know the german mark but it was wheelbarrows full just to right. pay for a loaf of bread that's what we're getting to if yeah we do this. what's the problem with that i can't imagine I cannot imagine plus if everyone gets a free wheelbarrow why are you complaining now you gotta bring your own wheelbarrow no the you government's gonna, sure. gonna provide that <laughs> this is a chicken in every pot and a wheelbarrow in yes every of front course door. To, to carry the money <laughs> we don't pallet it up for you you have to wrap it yourself so trump signed a spending bill this week and um, promptly said, I didn't get all the money I asked for. Now, remember, they spent more to shut down the government than he was yeah. asking for for the wall. Okay. So they gave him what, $1.7 billion for the wall? Something. He, he wanted five, right? And he wanted 5.7, something like that. So he said, Okay, I'm going to do an executive order. California and 14 other states probably said, We're going to sue you because it's not an emergency. Not sure how this works exactly. How the- well, do you realize that uh, I saw a list the other day that there are currently, based on uh, presidents, mm-hmm. thirty-one or thirty-two ongoing quote-unquote national emergencies. In other words, you know there was whatever five under Carter, and there were seven under Reagan. Still and happening. The, yeah, they're, and they're still they're still ongoing. Mm. This is the first time that we're now questioning because these Trump. national emer- uh, emergencies apparently are very prevalent. Uh, have been 32. historically. Yeah, we've never like fixed that. one. Obama had a number of them. You know, we've I, never fixed any of them. We've never we never solved them. So but this is the first time that the we're now questioning the the legitimacy of uh, declaration. It's one of those war and literacy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is, that, is that one of those wars? Those national emergencies. So he's being sued by these fifteen states, who again say this is not a national emergency. People are crossing the border without problems, except for you. Not you, but everybody else. I have, I actually, I don't, I don't agree with the 15 states, but I agree with, I don't want an executive order to do this. Neither do I. I think that's a but bad now, precedent to exactly, say. I do not like it. Exactly. So, But it's here. 
And I understand why he well, did it. I understand what the rationale the first, he claims. And, and again, because this is just endlessly amusing to me, and we always have to point this out. These very same people were standing and applauding at Barack Obama's pen and phone uh-huh. uh, executive unbound because Barack Obama did exactly this. In fact, he did worse mm-hmm. because what Donald Trump is doing, and I agree with you, I think this is a bad precedent. I wish he was not doing this. But Barack Obama was literally countermanding the will of Congress. Remember? Mm-hmm. Literally. If Congress won't act, I will. We've talked about this. Is that how Schoolhouse Rock explains no, the separation of powers? And no. If Congress doesn't legislate, I Just appoint myself like it, the super legislature. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's how it works. It but not. nevertheless, all of these people that are now wailing and screeching about the tyrant Donald Trump mm-hmm. usurping. They now care about the Constitution. Um, <laughs> w- uh, wait a minute. You you thought it was fine. Remember DACA? Remember yeah. DAPA? Where Barack Obama said literally two dozen times before he did this, I'm not a king. I have no legal authority to do this. Uh, uh, apparently, he changed his well, mind. I'm still going to. He, he evolved. <laughs> he evolved on that issue just like many other issues and decided, hey, you know what? I guess I can do it. I have this scepter here. Whatever I'm I decreeing want. it. So once again, half of the country that is now bleeding about this as if this is the end of the republic, you need to be quiet. Yeah. yeah. Because you actually like this. Yeah. You simply you don't. You like it when it's a Democrat. Doing right. It. You, you just don't like it because these are not your priorities. Now, to your point, I do think it's a very bad precedent because this is sort of, this is like the Harry Reid rule, right? Which mm-hmm. is be careful what you do mm-hmm. because the next time, I guarantee you, you know what's coming. Oh, yeah. The next time there's a Democratic president, they're not going to be fixated on the wall. No. They're going to be fixated on the national emergency to we need to ban those guns or we, whatever their, you know, their hobby horse is. And we know what they all are. Sure. That's going to be the national emergency. And the Trump precedent, even though it's not really his precedent, because Barack Obama established this and other presidents have done things by executive order as well. Mm-hmm. This is not the way to go about this. Well, I, I reach back to the cowards in Congress. And I call them all cowards because they have allowed the president yeah. to usurp this authority. This goes back to, I hate to say this, Harry Truman. The Korean War was not actually a war. It was a police action because he never actually to, actually went to Congress for a declaration of war. That moment, if, if it didn't happen before that, and it probably did with Roosevelt, I'm sure. But that was the moment you go, wait a minute. You, you usurped Congress. And they let you. They let you do it. They allocated money to pay for the police action, sure. but didn't actually declare why war. Would, why would we want to have to stake out a public position exactly. that opens us up to an unhappy constituent? Oh, we'll just let, we'll just let the chief executive do it all. Yes, exactly. And, and that, by the way, that is a criticism of all. Republicans, yep. Democrats, because the Republicans have been just as complicit yep, in this. I agree. It, it, I go back to Truman, but it's pretty much everybody since. If not yeah. before, is at least from Truman on, they've all done this. I don't like the precedent. I don't like what it comes down to. I think he shouldn't have signed the bill if it didn't have what he wants in it. Exactly. That's his prerogative. Shut the government down then. Yep. Shut it down and make them do what you've asked them and to then, do. And if and they don't do take, it, then take the political consequences. Because, yeah. you know, that's always the the guessing game. Who's going to be blamed for the right. the next 
government shutdown of 97% of the non-essential personnel. You don't have one more lawsuit against you. And you know it's going to be the Ninth Circuit that's going to rule on this because it's filed by California. Well, and here's the other thing. I do think that from a constitutional and statutory standpoint, I actually think he can probably do this. It's hmm. it's it's not as cut and dry, but see, I don't care about that. Sure. Because even if he's vindicated legally, to your point, the precedent that this establishes is very bad and it's going to boomerang. And here's the thing. The Democrats aren't going to use it for some piddly $5 billion wall. Sure. They're going to use it for far more significant guns. things. I think it's going to be guns. That'll be the, that'll be sure. the first thing. Absolutely. But I guess that- what? Congress won't act and implement our ban on all assault laser grenade launcher weapons. We don't really understand how guns work, but they're all bad. So guess what? You know, President Kamala Harris has declared a national <laughs> emergency and the only guns you're going to be permitted to have are super soakers and, uh, you know, an occasional antique, antique musket. Yes. That, that doesn't you inherited. fire. Right. That doesn't fire. Not fire you can also have your you can keep your Bowie knives for now. So that's what that's what's going. This is going to be used for. Well, it's going to be an excuse for it. I don't know that. I, I think the fact that Ninth Circuit's going to overrule him. Like you're getting an injunction until it gets yeah, seen. Well, they'll, I don't want the Supreme Court to hear it because I don't want the, a national well, precedent. They may, they may not. Uh, I don't because want them to. the way the court seems to be leaning with Roberts on these kind of issues is Roberts prefers to stay out of the fray. Uh, so I don't think they are. I don't think they're going to take this up. But I, I think it's a I think it's a bad idea. I wish they would have taken up the um, uh, immigration blockade. Yeah, because I think that was well within the constitutional. Absolutely. Purview. I don't agree with you that he he would win constitutionally. I don't think he has the constitutional authority to to do this personally. I think there's I think that's Congress's right to allocate money, and he can't rearrange the budgets because it doesn't suit his purposes. I don't like. Yeah, that. but there's I mean there's vast constitutional authority for the declaration of these kind of emergencies. There is. There is. So it's not really that he see in my view that's why this is not exactly the same thing that Obama did because Obama literally rewrote. He he implemented a policy that was the direct antithesis of existing immigration law. It is, yeah. So that's not what Trump is doing here. Agreed. He there he's not implementing something that. But there's what already... changed in February of 2019 that wasn't there in January or oh, December? Oh, you, you mean or... as far as the emergency? Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. But remember, it didn't suddenly become emergency. It was before. One jack then. But remember, the executive has fairly broad authority in making these kind of declarations. So, yeah, you can certainly make a plausible argument that, come on, you're saying it's an emergency now? Why? But, but to me, in the, in, the, in the sort of jurisprudential analysis, that doesn't much matter. What matters is, does the president have the ability, as we've seen 32 other times or whatever, declaring this sort of thing? I think it's probably a close call. I think the Supreme Court doesn't take it up because Roberts doesn't like inserting the court, which I actually don't think should matter. It's not only Roberts' he, decision to do this. Well, exactly. But, I mean, Roberts doesn't like inserting the court in these sort of high-octane political fights. So I think they find a way not to have to deal with this. You and I are essentially in agreement, though, that this is the wrong way to go about mm. this, even if it's defensible from a legal standpoint because of the precedent that it yeah. sets going forward. I don't, I don't like it for that reason, and I don't think – I guess this isn't something – this isn't the hill I want to die on for this small gain. Because I think right. it's a small gain yeah, in the grand scheme of it's things. It's a pittance. It's nothing. And it opens up a whole lot more that I don't really want to deal with going forward. So we'll have to see where that goes at. I, For the very same reason that Mitch McConnell was silently grinning when Harry Reid nuked the filibuster, mm-hmm. I think Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are grinning 
because they're just waiting for their opportunity to flip this around they will. on a much more significant issue. Yeah. Uh, it's and I'm not be... saying, by the way, I'm not saying that immigration is not a significant issue. What it I'm is. saying is, what I'm saying is this issue about the border wall, um, which I actually support the idea, but in terms of getting it built and allocating those funds, this is not how you should be going about it. I want Congress to act to, inf- to allocate money for the laws they've already passed. Correct. To build this border wall. It, the, the law is there to build it. Correct. Just allocate the money for it, and that's how they get away with it. Yeah, we allocate, we got the law, but we don't allocate money, so it never happens. That's the thing. So I thought we'd finish tonight with just some personal thoughts on what era of U.S. the U.S. history would you feel comfortable existing in, and why? And it, outside of the current one. So going back in some period of time over the last couple hundred years, it doesn't have to be U.S. history. It could be prior to the United States in the colonial times. Do you have a preference no. outside of that? Why would anyone want to exist? I mean, I, I guess you could make – here's the thing. Dr. Fee would love this topic because this is, this is the whole argument that uh, you know, the religious right, the evangelicals want to usher back in this – fantasy world of 1950s <laughs> Maybe you know, I was trailing Be- him, beaver I cleaver america that was a white america yeah. that was uh you know racially homogenized all of this stuff look i don't know how you could want to live uh, unless you have some very specific reason you know i want i wanted to meet uh, whoever you know some historical figure. okay let's change it to what's your favorite period of american history so you don't have to live there but if you could visit and say, I'd like to experience X, what would that be? Would mm. it be Henry Clay? Would it be Washington or Jefferson? Would it be prior to that, be Franklin in his early days? No, I mean, I'm not a guy that would want to be back during the Revolutionary Era, even though there's, you know, there's obviously a lot of fascinating stuff. I actually think, for me, it would be sort of the turn of the century. The industrial, Which one, 19? Yes, tur- turn of the century, meaning the Industrial Revolution, so the beginning okay. of the 20th century. Okay. Um, where we're you know we're making these incredibly radical changes to and that that's going to be from what 1900 all the way through 1950s at least yeah probably. i mean so that's a, that's a fairly broad swath of american history but i think that era is is just kind of fascinating because there were so many fundamental changes that occurred um that world wars is that part of that uh i mean that's not the reason i mean obviously yeah you got world war one and then leading up to world war two but that's not it i just think it's the seismic changes in our country because of the industrial revolution that that sort of fascinates me the the good and the bad you got the depression in there you got all all in between so i think that's probably the era that would interest me the most okay uh i would go about 100 years earlier um because i like to think like so you're you're going to basically the founding, very close. Well, post-founding. Right, but, but soon really, thereafter. Yeah, so to me it's kind of fascinating. When you see people that were born in one century and lived into, you see like how long they lived into the second century after they were born. And you see it a lot in the ni- late 19th century into the 20th century. They went from right after the Civil War till World War II. And I'm just thinking to myself, that's fascinating how much the country and their lives change from that period to that period. And I think the beginning of the 19th century, end of the 18th, beginning of the 19th, you've gotten out of the founding, you've gotten out of the, most of the founders are starting to die off, and you, you have the War of 1812 through pre-Civil War, and how, how the transportation system in this country just vastly changed from wagons to— No, but that's one to, of the things that I'm talking about. Well, yeah, For you're instance, talking a little even, faster. Even the turn of that century— Within what eighteen ninety, 
Okay, oh, yeah. we're still there's still horses yes. everywhere from what's the model T? 1902? Three or four, yeah, something you say like that. something like that. Yeah. So we literally, within the space of two decades, exactly. Oh, yeah. Those are the kind of things that I'm talking about. Are these these dramatic shifts in how we live? Just like you said, unimaginable to someone sure. who lived during the Civil War. This idea that we're going to be driving around in these contraptions oh. called you know cars. Not even remotely possible. But I, I look at that period. And I say, okay, so my my father was part of the Revolutionary Generation. Here I am. We're going to wagons to trains to. Or I'm not sorry, you know, water travel across the Great Lakes that go from 13 states to 26 or 20, 28 by the Civil War. It just fascinates me how the the country vastly changed from that period of time. Then obviously you get past the Civil War into the Reconstruction and the end of the 19th century. A little more stagnant there, not a lot of major changes. But you're right. When you turn into the 20th century, things just you know, 1903, the first flight by the Wright brothers up through World War II, I, I don't think the Wright brothers could have imagined what their planes, and they weren't the only <laughs> ones, would be doing 40 yeah. years later. I don't think that could even they could have even fathomed that. So I guess it's it my, I'm kind of couching this. I like all of it because it's so vastly different. Like if you went to the Roman Empire in 400 B.C. to 400 A.D., an 800-year period, it hadn't changed dramatically. Styles had changed sure. a little bit, but it wasn't. <clears throat> you were still fighting with a sword. You still had a spear and a shield. It was pretty much the same. You go from Civil War through World War II, you're going from basically muskets in most of the Civil War to machine guns. They to, couldn't even have. To atomic, to atomic bombs. bombs. You couldn't even have fathomed that. And they said, oh, we're going to put somebody on the moon. <laughs> yeah, the moon's made of green cheese. Nobody believes you. Shut right. up. You're speaking crazy. of that, speaking of that, we just watched um, First Man. I watched it two weeks ago, yeah. Okay, I, I'd be interested. What are, your, what, what are your thoughts about that? Now, by the way, for those who don't know, First Man is about Neil Armstrong. And, and the first the, man on the, the moon. The first man on the moon, right. <laughs> kind of self-explanatory. I didn't know as much about Neil Armstrong. And I know how accurate Right, well, is, that's so what I was going to say. I would take with a little bit of a – I have read a number of different reviews about this movie, and they've been very – um, on on opposite ends, where I've actually read some critics that I respect who really like the movie. I've also read some scathing reviews where they say the, the guy that uh, Ryan Gosling is the actor that portrays Neil Armstrong that that is not because he he plays him as sort of this very taciturn, yes. closed mm. off guy, not a bad guy, no, but just kind of disconnected from his family, from very, life in general. Other than he was a. This very focused engineer mm-hmm. lives for his mission, um, and you know, a lot of the movie is sort of the the domestic. It's not really um, not that they're having huge problems, but he just doesn't communicate with his wife. No, uh, he has. They have a tragedy, which is true. Early that they they lost their daughter mm-hmm. uh, at the very beginning of when he's becoming uh, a key member of the space program, and so that has. That kind of suffuses the whole movie, that sort of grief that he's held inside. But he's played, for whatever reason, as this guy who is just this very unemotional, almost Spock-like kind of guy. And I've read reviews from people that knew him who said that is a very – it's a disservice to Neil Armstrong. He wasn't I was hoping that was true because he didn't seem to be – it was a lot of standing around and – looking pensive <laughs> there wasn't a lot of dialogue right, but here's the thing that because this actually ties in pretty well with what you were just talking about the thing that struck me the most about the movie is the reminder that what these guys were trying to do in 1969 mm-hmm. was 
unreal and and the danger i think that's one of the things that the movie hammers home to the audience even from the very first scene which is him as a test pilot Mm -hmm. somewhere where they're practicing uh, basically leaving the earth's atmosphere in these rockets the x-19s and and everything about it is essentially you're going to die you're going to die the ship is about the plane is about to fall apart the g-forces are going to render you unconscious you're going to crash it's just total chaos Right. Fear, chaos, craziness. And these guys are subjecting themselves to this over and over. There was nothing smooth about this. It was are there in what the camera does in a lot of shots. They like they focus in on all the rivets Mm -hmm. and, you know, the the, these primitive looking screws like is is the hull of the craft going (laughs) to shake apart? Probably. Right. I mean, and and I had forgotten. I knew this kind of vaguely, but the. It, there's the one track. Well, there's multiple guys that die. Oh yeah, in the program, including I have forgotten that uh, Gus Grissom and the two other astronauts died in the cockpit. In, well, they don't call it that. Whatever. It's in the the the, the capsule. The capsule mm-hmm. when they were doing the test, they weren't even going to launch. No, it was right? just a test. It was it a run through. Run through, and there was a um, electrical short that started yeah. a fire in the capsule. They all died. You you may not know this. The reason, one of the reasons he died, other than the short, was because Gus Grissom had complained in one of the Gemini missions that when they crashed down in the water and they recovered them, that the door wasn't completely sealed and it came off. So they got water in the capsule. It was his recommendation that they bolt the, the door down so that they couldn't, that it wouldn't come off in yeah. space or in the water, which they couldn't get it open. Right. And nobody could get to it because it was so hot. They died in the capsule, ironically, because of something he suggested. Now, they might have had other problems later. It was it, the movie made it feel like it was a fait accompli that he was going to be the guy to go, walk on the moon. Like it was it was all maneuvering to him. And I don't know that it was quite that simple because I don't think they knew until real close to the launch that he was going to be the guy. Well, the reality is, I mean, not to be morbid, they kept losing astronauts. Sure. Sure. So they had no idea who was going to be the guy because right. it's by, unfortunately, this gruesome process of elimination. You're left um, and you're the next in line. And that's what we're going to do. But, it. I mean, it it strikes you the the, the courage mm-hmm. of these guys. Yeah. The, the, again, I think a lot of people think of astronauts. It's fun. We go we go into the little anti-gravity thing. These guys were literally risking their lives. And they still are. I don't want to No, they, they that still thing. are. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, look, you look even in rec- relatively recent history, some of yes. the Challenger, tragedies. But yeah. back then, compared to where we are now, this is the Stone Age, what these guys are doing. Right. Well, so we watched First Man a couple weeks ago with my daughter and a friend and my wife. And my daughter had a lot of good questions. And I'll, I'll be honest, I did not remember that Neil Armstrong was a test pilot. I assumed he probably was, but I didn't know that for a fact. You, you hear other guys. Because almost all these guys were. They almost all were. They, they all had a military background. They didn't like to take anybody who wasn't military because they felt like they could control them and everything, whatever. So then we watched Paul 13 over the weekend. Now, I'd seen it many times. It's on TV constantly. But my wife and my daughter and my friend had not seen it. So it was new to them. And it was the way that I remember um, um, Jim Lovell, as they're, as they're getting ready, they're taking the pictures for the, the launch. And somebody says, well, isn't this kind of routine now? And he goes, it's never routine. Everything can go. Now, he was setting up the rest of the movie. But the reality was it's not a routine launch to go into space. It's not you're, you're trying to leave where you are in this tiny little capsule. Well, it's a big rocket, but trying to get away from the Earth and get back. It's fascinating to me that they even thought, <clears throat> like, if you watch Apollo 13 to now, some of the graphics don't hold up quite as well as they did, but they're pretty good. But you think about, I'm, I'm flying to the moon 
in this. I'm flying <laughs> to the moon in this. I, the other side of that glass is space. And I'm looking through this glass. And even somebody might we say, well, how do they go to the bathroom? Well, they kind of show that one scene right. where they do that. But it's like they they do all of this in space. And getting them back on Apollo 13 was yes. phenomenal to me. It was, right. I mean, the fact that they didn't die. And, and well, that's the thing is that the, what you what is hammered home is the idea that space is completely unforgiving. Yes. And any one small thing that goes wrong, you, you can die. Well, you, you will die. There is no there's no triple A. I mean, even the first you. scene in First Man, what winds up happening to him, he goes up in this, uh, you know, this essentially this rocket plane. And and if you've read anything about this, when he's trying to reenter, he's actually bouncing off of the Earth's atmosphere which can happen yep. and so too shallow of an angle it's comes too in, shallow and so in. you're literally like bouncing off a pond like a stone off of a pond yep. and so he's supposed to be descending and now he's literally beginning to drift into space yep and, and he has no real control because no. these are these are basically rockets with a cockpit there's no control you're not it's not a jet plane where you can control it and flaps are there but they're basically non-existent for control and you're right he, he bounces bounces loses consciousness Starts to come down and gets control before he dies, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's um, and he was a test pilot. He wasn't even part of the astronaut program. I agree with it. Did you? You've seen Apollo thirteen? Oh obviously. yes, many times. And I, I, I liked Apollo thirteen more, honestly. And maybe it's because there's more drama associated. Well, with I, it, yeah, but I, I think it was it filmed a little bit differently. I, I actually enjoyed First Man. I yeah. thought it was pretty good. But again, I, I've I've taken it with a grain of salt in terms of the portrayal of Neil Armstrong because I've read enough people that said. That wasn't really the guy. And I don't okay. know whether I'm sure there's some truth to it. Obviously, a lot of things in movies are done for dramatic effect, for sure. narrative effect. Uh, so I did see the American flag. It was from a distance, right. but it was there. Right. But we don't, we don't want to overemphasize. Uh, you know, we don't want to have too much of that jingoism. Rah <laughs> rah, American. Really stuff. far away. You really was, had to squint to see it. It, but it was. was there. It was a giant leap for mankind, Chad. Yes. Not just for it was. cowboy America. Yeah, but we did pay for it, so I don't remember right. anybody else contributing right. to the cost. But that's that's okay. So that's a good point. I, I like that. And, and those are good movies. You haven't seen them. Check them out because I think it it reminds you of the vastness of what man tries to do successfully or unsuccessfully. Our show next week will discuss why the moon landing never happened. <laughs> that's it Tony's. All, it was that's Tony. A, I disagree yeah, with that. that. Yeah, no. It was all on a soundstage. Actually, because the reason that got brought up is because my kids were watching it, and they're like, Dad, you know, there are these kids at school that say the moon landing oh, was faked. Geez. I was like, well, that's false. It would have been cheaper. Right. That's, <laughs> that's false. Sure. But there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of silly ideas about things. And yeah. that, that is not true. Well, my daughter asked me, why did we never go back? And I said, I, I don't know. We, it was very costly to go. We didn't have reusable spacecrafts. It was very expensive to build each and every time. And it was diminishing returns. We got all the well, rocks I we needed. I had forgotten. My wife actually looked this up. Apparently, there have been 12 other people that have now since then been on the moon. Mm -hmm. But I don't really rem like they don't stick in my. Do, they, do any of them no. register with you? Like, why oh, why would they? Why would they? Right. When you're when you're I mean, but I don't even remember. Do you even remember the footage? I remember seeing. Well, there was one. It was on Apollo. Was it 12 or 14? They have a golf cart and somebody was playing golf. Right. I remember, I remember that. that. I don't I remember who it was. that. But they stopped at 17, and that's the last time we've ever gone. They had planned 18, but never happened. Um, <clears throat> I, you don't remember him because you barely remember Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. Had he not been an outsized personality, you probably wouldn't even remember him, Neil Armstrong, and then everybody else. But you're right. It's, it's two guys' permission, and 13 didn't land. So 
you know, that's two less guys that got on the moon, but there was never going to be a huge number of them. And I don't, I don't know how many are even left alive. Are there any left alive? Um, I don't know. I mean, Aldrin and Armstrong aren't still alive. Uh, Jim Lovell didn't make if, it. If there are, they're, they're not going to be with us very much longer. I can't imagine. They, remember, these guys were in their late 30s, early 40s when they did this. So they weren't yeah. you know, teenagers, and this was 50 years ago. Yeah. This year, 50 years ago for the first guys. So, you know, I don't know if there's a rationale to go back at this point, unless there's some reason to set up a colony and you want to live there, maybe. But I think it's a very unforgiving environment. And I think if, wasn't there a movie a couple of years ago, the guy lived, was on Mars or the moon? It's science fiction. Well, that was The Martian. Are you talking about Matt Damon? No, no, no. This was a movie where a kid was raised on another planet oh. and had to come back for some treatment. But he couldn't adapt, couldn't stay because of his bone density or something. It was, I didn't watch I didn't, it. I didn't see it. It was a love story. Oh, well. Teenage love story no, based on science fiction. That would not have been in my uh, favorites list. Ask your, ask your daughter. She might have watched I'd it. rather watch, you know. <laughs> I, I like the ones where they go and the aliens are there. And then yeah, the space more, marines have to come. That's what Rip, Starship Rip, Troopers. Ripley. No, no, not Starship <laughs> Troopers. Aliens. Yeah, Rip, Ripley okay. has to come with the, with the space marines. I don't want to fall into an alien. I don't want them tracking yeah. me back. That's not that a good would be thing. bad. So I don't know if we'll ever go back, but I don't know if there's a reason to go back. We did it. We've done it. Now let's move on to something else. And reality is we haven't left the Earth's orbit since 1972 with humans. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. I don't know what's the gain. We're getting a lot of information of the International Space Station doing experiments, but is there a reason to spend all the money to go to Mars with human colonization? I know some people are trying it, but. I don't think that's ever going to happen for those companies. Anyway. Certainly not in our lifetime. No, I don't know. So that's all I got, Tony. You got anything else you want to? Oh, I have one. I have one very okay. brief uh, closing. This this is kind of not even really a rant because I don't care. But um, I uh, I used to watch. Well, first of all, I don't really watch the NBA very much anymore. Um, what does that stand for? Yeah, exactly. Um, now I will watch. I have to say because I'm I am a sports fan, so I generally watch now. I'll watch some games in the playoffs. I generally watch the conference finals and the NBA finals. Okay. Um, not, but I don't avidly watch it. I, I almost pay no attention to the regular season other than I, by osmosis, I kind of know who's leading the standings or whatever, right. but they just had the NBA all-star game mm-hmm. and I didn't watch it. Okay. I've seen, but I noticed cause I was on my phone. The score at halftime was something like 96, <laughs> To the final score of the game was I think 178 to 160. Now you have to understand if you don't follow the Some NBA, phenomenal defense. There. Well, that's the point <laughs> is that the All Star Game has always been intended to be sort of this showcase. Um, so even back during the Jordan era, the defense was certainly not even close to being. Uh, they weren't trying that hard, but typically the scores of those games would be, you know, 135 to 130. Okay, they're within the. 90-some points in the first half. So what the game has now devolved into, and by the way, during those games, what would wind up happening is the coaches would get all the players in for like the first three quarters, you know, and of course the Stars played more, but everyone get in. By the time it came to about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, all the best guys were on the floor, and they were trying, okay? <laughs> because now it was about turf, right? right. It was about ego, right. and we're going to win because this is Jordan's team versus Magic's team or whatever because it was the East versus the West. Yep. That doesn't exist anymore. No. And so now the defense is beyond just we're a matador. It's we're, we're basically a corpse. We're not. So it's just a parade of guys coming down the floor and 
LeBron's going to get a dunk. And now this guy's going to get a dunk. And we're just kind of standing there. And it is, it is, it is really idiotic. I mean, it is, it is ruining. Like I would never watch the game the mm-hmm. way it's played now. Mm-hmm. It's clear. We've gone from, we, okay. We understand we're not going to, we're not up in somebody's face. Like the guy at the Y that's sweating all over you. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to let you score. Right. But by the end of the game, people are still playing defense. People are not just letting people waltz down the lane and do a 360 slam. It's become just terrible. Like, it's a terrible product. I don't know why anyone would want to watch that. There has to be some semblance of competitive desire. How do you make it competitive? I don't know. I don't know how you change it it now. Because I think for this has been this way. This was the apotheosis of this. Good word. Um, For... This has been going on probably the last six, seven years. This where now it's just it's basically just this exhibition where nobody tries. Well, just to remind people, they pick teams. The All Stars were voted on, right? And then they pick teams. LeBron and LeBron and who else picked Giannis? I think I don't the Greek the freak, right? They picked the players for their team. So it wasn't East West. It was LeBron's, and we joked about that the LeBron's, but it was LeBron's versus Giannis. Let's put it this way: I've always said this about the NFL, the Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. right? That's also a joke. The Pro Bowl is like the most viciously competitive NFL playoff game in history now compared <laughs> to yes. the NBA All-Star. And it's game. not much, but it's right. Uh, so I, I just think I just it's, it's have All-Star games played out. I mean, should there be any All-Star games at any professional sport? I mean, NASCAR doesn't have an All-Star game. Not, yeah, not you, you know, would, that's but. that's actually a good question. I don't really know how much it's a moneymaker. And it's a, a it's showcase. a way to promote the league. Yeah, I have a feeling that most of the players don't really go. don't want to go. Yeah. First of all, they would want to use the downtime, go with their family, rest up. I mean, the NBA season is a it's just a grueling marathon. But I'm talking about NFL. Why would anybody want to play in the Pro Bowl other than say I was a Pro Bowl player? Yeah, the NFL. I, I do it's, think that that's it's in Orlando, it is. isn't it? In fact, you see most of the veterans in the NFL for any reason that they, they, bail. they pick, they bail if they haven't been there. Well, why would they you don't. want to get hit more than you have well, to get hit? you don't get hit. I mean, that's the well, point. And you know, it's a trip to Hawaii or wherever well, they usually play. It's Orlando now. Or, yeah, that's that's lame. That's Who wants to go to Orlando? Right. Everyone wanted to go to Hawaii. Sure, that's why you went. But MLB is probably the only one that actually, because it actually has some semblance yeah. of who wins, gets home field advantage for the playoffs or the Super Bowl. Well, the other thing is with baseball, it's kind of harder not to try. Meaning... Yeah. You still you have to like what are you going to do? Start throwing EFIS pitches? You going to like underhand them over right? Well, I mean, you still have you you don't have to field well. But that's the point though. You, you, you have to intentionally make an error. Yeah, you, you know, are you just going to stand in center field and let the ball like drop in front of you? No. So I don't think baseball lends itself as much to we're just going to let the other team do what they want because you still have to throw. You know, your pitchers are out there; they're throwing ninety some miles an hour, and the batters are going to try to hit the ball. Yeah, and the fielders true. are going to try to catch the ball. That's fair. So I don't think baseball lends itself to that kind of yeah, wink, wink. We're all just going to stand here, and you know, we'll let everyone get an inside the park home run. What you if know? they just played three hours of batting practice? Everybody well, already, gets ten. They already 10 have the, shots. they already have the home run derby. I know, but what if they just it was all batting practice? That's the all star game is batting practice. If you can't hit, don't show up. So there's <laughs> you know? no fielding at all. Why? Why can't nobody cares about fielding? No, when you watch a game, a baseball game, if you watch baseball, and I don't watch a lot of baseball because I think it's dull and mind-numbing, but you're there to watch the hits. I'm not there to watch you field. Well, now, the purists, Chad, I'm not a purist. say, not a purist. Say, you, you are a blasphemer. And those five people can sit in the basement course, and watch the of stats. Of course you're there to watch the fielding, sure and you're are. watching the managerial uh-huh. acumen, yes. and all of the shit. I'm watching a fat guy wearing a 
wearing a baseball uniform who shouldn't be in a baseball uniform there aren't a lot waddle of, out there. There aren't a lot of fat guys anymore. Okay. John Cruck hasn't played in a while, Chad. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the managers. Oh, okay. <laughs> they shouldn't yeah. be wearing an there's a uniform. A, there's not a ton of fat Tony Gwynn's not out there anymore, anymore, huh? Tony Gwynn isn't out there. The Big Hurt? Uh, well, the Big Hurt was not fat. <laughs> no, but he's, he's very large. Well, what's, what's the guy from uh, Detroit? Tussle Fielder. Yeah, Cecil Fielder he was, was not a, he he was was not a, a svelte guy. He was a big boned guy. Yeah. Uh, let's be honest. I, I, if you like baseball, you like baseball because of all the stats. If you don't like baseball, then you don't care about the stats. And I don't care about the stats. I just don't. It doesn't matter to me. See, here's the thing. What I think they should do, the NBA makes, just like any of these sports leagues, they make money hand over fist to the point where the players understand money. Sure. So what they should do, because if I was Adam Silver, who's the current commissioner of the NBA, I would be watching that game and say, okay, this has become a disgrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sure, it's a showcase. These guys are not, I mean, it's just laughable, right? Mm-hmm. It's a layup line. So what do I do? Okay, we'll make it interesting. The winning team gets to split a million dollars. Maybe. Now, look, even for these guys, remember, most of these guys in this game, the, the the guy that's making the least, maybe he's on like some, you know, rookie deal or whatever, they're making like twenty million a year. Some of yeah. these guys are making thirty five million a year. They're called LeBron. So <laughs> even at a million bucks splitting it between the team, but still, that's a sizable nice chunk of change, right? I, I got a better answer. The losing team, every player gets a flagrant foul attached to their record for the season. No, that doesn't work. Yeah. Because then you got another flagrant foul. You you no. get another no, because you get now three you're, year, no, because you're, you're, that's the thing. You're, you're messing with the – you don't want to do that. I think what you need, you need to incentivize it. Make it, make it $3 million. Okay. Say, look, th- th- that's, a, that's not even a rounding error for this league. Let's Say, make it 12 because no. there's 12 men there. Make it $3 million bucks or whatever, okay. $5 million bucks, and say, listen, the team that wins this, you guys get to split it. That's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. That's what these guys would understand. And then, huh, we're not maybe going to take flagrant fouls, but I can guarantee you in the fourth quarter – the best guys are going to be in there. They're going to be trying a little harder than just standing there. What if you say the $5 million has to come from the losing team? You'll each put in $5 million, and the losing team gets to pay up, and the other team gets it. Yeah, if you could make them do that. I, I don't think the collective bargaining <laughs> agreement would require them come to on. do that. Come on. That would be actually entertaining. Yes. Like, that's sure. my money you're taking. Well, I want my money. Yeah, it's like you're playing a skins game now. You know, It's like, okay, everyone's got to put their own. Or you're playing some kind of poker. What's wrong with this? No, I just uh, think you need to do something because otherwise it has become – I already wasn't watching it, but now it's completely unwatchable. So, pro- football, stop. Pro Bowl doesn't need to exist. There's no reason for I it. I don't care. It'll keep existing because, again, for the first – I think it is. It's an honor for the younger guys who haven't been there. They get to go, even though it's a complete popularity contest. Sure. Um, you know, the all-pro team is what, what matters in terms of yeah. serious voting. Yeah. So, no, they'll, they'll all still exist. I just I just found it – when I saw the score, and I, they almost scored 100 points in the half. That's not good. I mean, come uh, on. You could trip and score less than that. Yeah. That, so that's just – that's been – it's not really a pet peeve of mine because I don't care enough about the NBA right now. Yeah. But they, need, they should fix that. It's just a bad look. Yeah, they should play defense once in a while. That's a nice – Semi rant, I'll give you. Yeah, that. I, it doesn't even qualify as a rant. Well, it's more of a. We'll know, let it be. We'll let it be what it sli- is. Slightly perturbed. Yes, slightly annoyed. It was like the the cayenne pepper on your on your cheesesteak. It's okay. It's not bad. It's okay. Right? No, that's not okay. Actually, no, but, no. Why would I have cayenne pepper on my cheese? Because you like them hot, man. You no, like I don't. Hot. No, that that's. We'll have to talk about that next week. You don't even eat cheesesteaks. Of you? course, I do. 
melted cheese is kind of like a no, condiment. No, it's not. It's kind of no. like a condiment. If you, you put, using the whiz. If you, uh, that's the point. You that's can't a condiment, use, You can't use cheese whiz. You can't use cheese that comes out of a pump dispenser. That is vile. So you, you put use? slices of Pro-V. I like Pro-V. That's Provolone, my that's actual my cheese. Fruit. And if the cheese starts out in a solid form and it melts nicely around the meat, that's perfect. So my, my daughter did ask, Mr. Tony doesn't like condiments and melted cheese on a pizza. No. Isn't that like a condiment? No, it is not. Your daughter has been misinformed. <laughs> I said, yes, I will have to bring, correct. I will have to bring my visual aids, and I will give her a tutorial as to why that doesn't count. What's a condiment versus... So if it congeals it into a greasy mess... It is very easy to list mess. condiments. It is very easy to list condiments. Isn't condiment a topping? No, it is not. Why is it not? Are you saying like peanut M&Ms are a condiment? Like because you can put them on your ice cream? I would not call them a condiment, no. Okay, no, it's not just if it's a, a liquid, topping. If it, if it can, has a liquid form, is it not a condiment? Like is chocolate sauce a condiment to ice cream? No, because nobody actually says, I'm putting condiments on my ice cream. So if I don't cream. call them condiments, they're not condiments? That's in the normal lexicon. If you hear somebody say, I'm putting condiments on my ice cream, they need, to, mustard, right? they need to call the orderlies and take them back. They've, they've, it's, well, what's the difference between ketchup and chocolate sauce. I mean, in the appropriate places, what is the difference? Because those are desserts. Everyone understands. So if it's dessert, it's not a condiment. No, it's not. Because no one, again, who have you ever heard other than an insane person say, Nobody. I'm putting condiments on my ice cream. I've never Nobody. heard anybody say it. But Correct. The reality is it's a liquid form of something that you place upon something else. No, is that not the, a only, the only condiments are basically, this is so easy. See, you're, 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 just, <laughs> you're debating this just to be contrary, but it's. I don't think so. No. Ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise. Those are essentially the three condiments. And then we have the vile dressings that are part of that family tree. So any kind of mayo-based uh, dressings, ranch dressing, Russian dressing, creamy dressings. Can you do balsamic? I do it. I don't, yeah, but I, I don't like it. But I, I don't, I won't, if I was the condiments are, I wouldn't ban it. You I would permit it. Balsamic vinegar. I would ban okay. French. I would ban Russian. I would so, ban... All of that stuff. So any creamy dressing. Yes, creamy gone. dressing's totally disgusting. Yes. How about sour cream? Um, I don't like sour cream. I don't think I would ban it because the consistency is at least I, I can accept other people having it. Uh, How about I'm, Cool Whip I'm, and Whip Top? It's not a condiment. Again, it's a dessert. <laughs> cool Whip is not a condiment. But you can use sour cream in a dessert, and you can use it as a well. And if it's mixed topping. in, if it again, if it's mixed in as part, first of all, sour cream, um, cream cheese is in sour cheesecake. cream donuts. Exactly. That's that's a dessert. Versus sour cream yes, on your baked potato. Yes, but does the donut have sour cream all over it, Chad? No, <laughs> no it's baked the in. The sour cream has magically disappeared by a process. So if you put mayonnaise you... in, you could bake it in, it would be. If I okay. can't taste the disgusting mayonnaise, of course. So it's taste. If I bit into a cake that had a warm mayonnaise center, <laughs> oh, I would vomit. Be, would if the disgusting. cake, if the mayonnaise is gone, then of course well, it's, it's not fine. gone. You just can't see it. No, no, no. Not that you just can't see it. Can't you it. can't taste it. You can't bite into it and have it ooze all over your chin as you start gagging. That is completely different. So if I give you a beef stick that's made of venison and one made of beef, or give you a stick of food, one's a venison stick, one's a beef stick, and I flavor them well. You may not be able to tell the difference, and you say, I hate venison. Like, I've but I don't say, say that. And some again, neither beef nor venison, unless you're pureeing it for some convalescent home, is creamy. So this doesn't have anything to do with dressing? it. What do you mean if you put it in a creamy you, you, you dressing? Put it in, you, you puree it or ground it up, and you put it on, on top of a baked potato and put uh, sour cream on it. Is that suddenly? Well, then it becomes disgusting because now it's sour <laughs> cream again. This is, not, this is not complicated. This is very, very simple. 
Folks, if you think if you if you take a steak and put it into the ninja blender, why would you do that to a steak? That's, I don't know, but these wrong. are these are all your hypotheticals. These are your hypotheticals. And then if you if you mulch it up to the point where it's now a liquid and yeah. you pour it over my mashed potatoes and say, "Here's your steak and potatoes." I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> if you put it in a normal <laughs> slab of meat, you're, it's perfectly you're fine. If you, if you it, pour ranch dressing over my steak, it will be cast into outer darkness. I don't want that. Why would you put ranch? Uh, I don't know. But you think you're okay with ice cream with chocolate sauce or caramel or? I don't particularly care like for many toppings on my ice cream. Surprise! Shocking, but I know. that's it. They're not condiments. Everyone okay. understands this. I, Unless you've arrived here again from the you know the Omega Galaxy, the Omega Quadrant. See, I'd have to. You may not call them condiments, but I would still say the the general no, concept of condiment still no, applies. No, it's not that I may not call them condiments. No one, nope. nobody calls them condiments. Let's ask our listeners. Find a listener, <laughs> please. Somebody who in a normal conversation <laughs> says when they're get, making their banana split. Please pass the condiments. Please pass the maraschino condiments. Please pass the Reese's Pieces condiments. Nobody says that. Okay, folks, 717-739-5432, 717-739-5432. If there's somebody out there who calls something you put on ice cream or other dessert topping a condiment, Please call me and give me an example of what you're talking about. These rules have been time-tested. They are rigorous. They are empirical. They are very easy. And so your attempt to conflate dessert mm. toppings with condiments gets a gong. Well, It has failed. It never would have come up if you hadn't been a condiment czar trying to ban all yes. condiments. So these things have to be differentiated so we don't ban I'm, things I'm we want to keep. I'm a benevolent condiment czar. I'm okay why. getting rid of mayonnaise. Mayonnaise and mayonnaise-based foods gone i have no time for any of that and there's too much of it out there but everything else i'm like i don't even like relish but i don't have a problem if somebody wants to use it now ketchup and I eggs would, not a fan i would permit i would permit relish if you had a, a waiver you would have to come in and you know make a statement and maybe demonstrate some sort of personal tragedy and okay. then you would be allowed to use relish why is it fried eggs you'll use some people use ketchup but on a hard-boiled egg i've never seen anybody use ketchup um, still an egg, still cooked egg. I'm sure there's a misguided person out there. I mean, my my dad would have used ketchup on any form of egg. Ugh. Yeah, so I don't we're like in that. agreement on that. Yeah, I don't like that. We'll leave it at that. You tell us See, if we're wrong, or tell Tony if he's wrong, because obviously I'm. Right. I, I'm clearly not wrong. <laughs> you can tell me that you disagree, um, and then I, I'll, right I'll feel badly for you that you're thinking improperly about the world. <laughs> we'll leave it at that, folks. Thanks for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. Thanks for listening. This has been a Hannah Tree production.